0: Hello America and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon reports the podcast from well just the news you know about us that's where you get your breaking news every day we're so grateful you you listen to this podcast that you check in on our website often and that you place our trust in our reporting i'm deeply deeply grateful well today is an explosive big day i think during the middle of this podcast we're going to be getting some breaking news uh it should be coming up within the next half hour um A complete flipping of the script of Russia collusion. Yeah, I know what you've been thinking. You've been thinking, hasn't it flipped enough already? Haven't we had enough um, uh, examples of misconduct? Well, this one, the revelation I believe that's going to come out today, will really flip the script on its head. It was Hillary Clinton that was trying to use the Russian hack of the DNC servers to create a false narrative accusing Donald Trump of collusion a concocted bogus story, probably, as we told you in my book, Fallout, probably because she was worried about the impact of her email scandal on her election. But uh, the evidence is supposed to be declassified within the half hour. If and when that happens, we'll break in. We'll be talking with Congressman Matt Gates, the Republican from Florida. He's got a new book out called Firebrand. He's also been on the top of this Russia scandal from the very beginning, and we're going to get Matt Gaetz's reaction uh, in real time, hopefully, uh, to the breaking news that I expect to be coming out of the U.S. intelligence community in a little bit, uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim Comey is on the witness stand tomorrow in the Senate before Senate Judiciary Committee, and uh, Lindsey Graham. We're going to tell you some of the questions that should be asked of him, and I'll set up a little bit more of what I think this U.S. intelligence revelation is going to be in just a second. But first, these messages from our great sponsors and advertisers. Angie's List is now Angie, A-N-G-I, the nation's largest home services marketplace. And they're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project is, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. That's what you want, right? I'm uh, thinking about building out my basement in My cabin, I've been perusing Angie looking for just the right contractor to get it done the way my wife and I want it done. Now, Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and right in your neighborhood. That's important, right? You can do comparative shopping. Get started today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today, the app and the website are free to use. Angie.com or the Angie app. Go check it out today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And we're going to get to the big revelation. I think it'll happen in this show if we're lucky. Uh, But uh, before we get to that, uh, there is going to be a release of information that I think will put James Comey on the defensive even more tomorrow. But before that, let's take a look at what other questions Jim Comey should be um, answering. Uh, what a difference a year makes, right? A year ago, if Jim Comey had been called to the witness stand, I think we'd get a lot of defense of the Russia collusion case. Uh, the IG report hadn't come out a year ago. The declassifications hadn't occurred. And there was still general belief that there was at least a legitimate grounds for starting the Russia case, even if it found no collusion. Well, now we know that even that's not true. When you when you find out that the FBI agents working on the case A lawyer falsified documents. Uh, Agents and analysts believe they needed liability insurance because they thought there was so much misconduct in the case. They might be sued for what they did to General Flynn and Carter Page and others. Um, When you find out that um, the FBI knew from the beginning, from day one, that the primary subsource of Christopher Steele was a Russian agent, that the information in Christopher Steele's dossier was Russian disinformation fed to it by intelligence services. You just get numb, right? But James Comey hasn't had the answer to any of those things. The last time he testified, none of that information was public. So here are some of the questions. I have a story up on the website now, just the 16 questions. I think uh, James Comey should answer while he's on the hot seat t- uh, tomorrow. I'm going to give you a couple of them because I think they're important. Uh, I would ask this question. Mr. Comey, you testified in 2017 that the Steele dossier was salacious and unverified, and yet you signed FISA warrants marked verified that relied on the deeply flawed evidence from the dossier. Why did you do that? That's a good question, right? If you're saying it's unverified and then you mark it verified to the court, haven't you committed a fraud? Uh, Here's another one. When did you first learn that the Steele dossier was funded by Hillary Clinton's campaign? It's important, right? We should know that. uh, evidence in the Smith prosecution that's the FBI lawyer that falsified a document evidence in the Smith prosecution shows the FBI knew as early as August 2016 that Carter Page was a CIA asset and not a Russian agent of influence when did you first learn that information and why wasn't the FISA court informed of this critical information uh, here's another one I think Comey should have if you knew then what you knew today would you have signed any of the FISA warrants or advocated for the appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller that's a good question right Um, I mentioned the subsource, the newly declassified evidence shows the FBI knew the primary subsource for Steele had been previously suspected of being a Russian spy and had disowned key facts attributed to him in the dossier when interviewed by James Comey's agents. Mr. Comey, when did you learn that information and why wasn't the FISA court advised? That, that theme of why the FISA court wasn't advised of important, essential, game-changing evidence is jaw-dropping. Um, The FBI appears, another question I think is important. The FBI appeared to have been warned almost immediately that Steele's dossier contained Russian disinformation or information that could not be corroborated or actually had even been dispelled as inaccurate. Should the FBI have relied on it for any part of the FISA application? And why was the information about the flaws with Christopher Steele and his dossier kept from the courts, Congress, and country for years? Uh, another one, uh, because remember, I think Russia Gate could eventually become Obamagate. How involved was President Obama in directing FBI investigations such as the Russia probe? And what statements, actions, or recommendations did he make in connection with the probes into Trump, Carter Page, and Michael Flynn? Similarly, how involved was Vice President Biden? And was he the guy that suggested they pursue Michael Flynn by using the uh, Logan Act? That's a great question to ask the uh, FBI director. Why? Because he was in the room with him. And remember, we have FBI notes suggesting that it was Biden that suggested the Logan Act. Uh, information contained in the DOJ inspector general's report suggests that another confidential human source in the Russia probe, Stefan Halper, may have been previously dropped as a, an FBI source before the Russia case. What do you know about that and should he have been used in this case at all? Um, we should ask... Comey, what he thinks of the performance of Strzok and Page on the Russia case, given all that we've learned about their conduct. Same thing about Andrew McCabe. That would be a good question. Um, I'd like to know, did, did uh, Director Comey know that Bruce Orr, the DOJ lawyer, whose wife worked for Fusion GPS, that he was being used as a back channel to Steele after Steele was fired? Um, did he know? What do you think about that? Was it appropriate? And then before the bombshell that I think will be coming out within a few minutes, An earlier bombshell, um, just last week, the FBI agent who supervised the Michael Flynn investigation testified, he recommended closing it down twice, once in November and again in January 16, and again in January 17, because of a lack of evidence of wrongdoing. But your management team, meaning James Comey's FBI management team, kept it open anyways. Why wasn't the the probe closed down, like the lead agent suggested? And what do you think of that agent's claim that the probe suffered from a bias to, quote, unquote, get Trump, regardless of the evidence. So those are some of the questions I hope James Comey answers and gets asked tomorrow. Um, He's ducked these because for the longest time, while he was giving his story and his prior testimonies and writing his book and blabbing in speeches, we didn't know just how bad this FBI case was. We do now. And um, that brings me to the next point. I think we're going to find out in a few minutes, as I reported yesterday, that the Russia collusion narrative is going to get be turned on its head. It's going to have been Hillary Clinton trying to use the Russia hacking of the DNC to her advantage to concoct a false statement. I have been told by sources that U.S. intelligence learned that Hillary Clinton had personally approved a plan to smear Donald Trump by trying to connect him to the Russian hack of the DNC servers, even if there was no evidence. In other words, it was a dirty trick. The FBI knew about it, I'm told. I'm told President Obama was briefed on it. I'm told that CIA Director John Brennan knew about it. And by September of 16, and just keep this in mind, this is before they did the first FISA warrant, the Intelligence Committee, the CIA, referred to James Comey's FBI some form of uh, referral saying that Hillary Clinton had proved a bogus plan to smear Donald Trump a, uh, a dirty trick. I shudder when I say those words because it seems almost impossible to believe, but I believe that information is about to be declassified, and it will have been Hillary Clinton trying to use the Russians, not Donald Trump using the Russians to win the election. That is what's likely to come out. We're going to keep you abreast on that. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, as I promised. We're going to have Congressman Matt Gates, and if we're lucky, while Congressman Gates is on air, we should get the document, and we should be able to break this very important news about Hillary Clinton being referred to the FBI back in 2016 because she hatched a plan, concocted a plan to smear Donald Trump with bogus Russia allegations. And the FBI and the CIA and President Obama all knew it. Does that make you mad? Does it make you numb? I'm just shocked, but that's what's likely to come out. But first, this commercial break, when we come back, Congressman Matt Gates. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody this audience knows very well, Congressman Matt Gates of the great state of Florida, is joining us. Congressman, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, uh, thanks so much for having me back, John.
0: Well, we have a special occasion for having you back. You've got a brand new book out Firebrand. Dispatches from the front lines of the MAGA revolution. This is a fantastic piece of literary literary work You you take people on the front seat of what it was like to be on the front lines of the uh, the trump uh, administration People forget you and donald trump came into office about the same time. What a remarkable uh, set of stories. What, what inspired you to do this?
1: Uh, so often the media has misportrayed, I think, the energy of the Trump movement. And so I wanted to bring people into the conversations that I had with President Trump during his inauguration, during his impeachment uh, process, and then now subsequently to try to shape a generation of policies that will realign our politics. Uh, I think we're done with the days of endless wars and, and limited immigration and trade deals that hollow out the towns in our country that support the American way of life. Uh, I think we're ready to put America and the American people first. And that message is so powerful, there are very strong establishment forces in Washington on both the right and the left that work against our president every day. And they don't just work against the policy agenda, they try to delegitimize. And, And I think I wanted to expose the people that do that and the tactics that they use. And then also for the sake of history, describe what good journalists like you and Sarah Carter and Molly Hemingway, uh, commentators like Kim Strassel, what you all did uh, to shape, I think, a, a factual framework for the country to digest what was coming at them uh, on the Russia hoax and on uh, the Ukraine equal uh, to the Russia hoax. And you know, one of my favorite scenes in the in the book is actually the day that Uh, The House Judiciary Committee voted out articles of impeachment. That night, President Trump had a uh, White House Christmas party. And even though they had voted out the articles, President Trump is happy and laughing and being his normal kind of, you know, ringmaster of events because he knew that while they had won the vote, we had won the argument and that we would ultimately prevail. I also let readers know During that Christmas party, President Trump said that my date was way out of my league, which he always
0: does. (laughs) Yes, that's pretty funny. That does sound like the president. Oh, that's great. I love it. Um, Yeah, these are just amazing anecdotes. And I think people forget um, in politics because the television cameras and the um, uh, the glitz and, and and all the power struggles in washington often can make politicians you know uh, plastic they don't feel like they're humans but what you do in this in this um book is really humanize uh, what goes on behind the scenes the things that everyday americans often don't get to see in washington but politicians are people too and and uh you know there are some incredible moments in this trump presidency of triumph and of pain and suffering and unfair and unnecessary attacks, and um, I felt like you—I felt like you really captured that. When you look back um, and you see the uh, the history, the Democrats came out of the gate trying to stop this president every way they could. What was the what was the tipping point where you realized that America and the president had connected around you know the silliness in Congress, the silliness in the media? Is there a specific anecdote where you knew that? Uh, this couldn't be stopped by the traditional tools of news media and, and congressional investigations, um, et cetera. Uh,
1: in the Russia investigation, as Democrats were, you know, like pulling out everything from Michael Cohen to Corey Lewandowski for for a hearing, and then and then finally culminating with Robert Mueller himself. Right. Uh, what I really sensed in in that moment with Robert Mueller uh, was. Uh, just deflating for the delegitimizing forces. And I think I knew the moment Mueller testified that there would be a surge for the president because finally, you know, the, the, uh, the veil had been removed. I mean, right. look, it's easy for just a regular person who doesn't go to justthenews.com every day, who doesn't watch your breaking stories, uh, you know, on social media, to be bombarded with the lies from CNN and MSNBC. I mean, you had you had like Rachel Maddow out there calling Donald Trump an agent of the Russian government right. every night. Yes. And so I think, you know, to see Mueller testify was to see how fake it all was. But I was a pretty early believer in the president. You know, I write about the the inauguration itself, and seeing the way that he really served as a counterbalance to the establishment thinking of both parties, uh, it invigorated me. You know, I am the only Republican in Congress who doesn't take any PAC money. I view it as like very tawdry and very sickening, the way they just trade money for favors. And my ability to reject that, to instead to go tell people what I believe on television, on social and digital media, is only possible because Donald Trump is president. Because he, is, he has not only written new rules, I mean, he has taken the the old rule book and set it ablaze. Now there are new ways to have positive patriotic contributions to the country that aren't all doled out by the leadership or, or um, allowed by the special interests and political action committees.
0: That's such a great point. You know, there was a time in not that not so distant past where people were concerned about things like we're talking about term limits we're talking about putting a ban or limit on political action committee uh, donations and in a a funny way Donald Trump has sort of revived a lot of those um, swamp issues by by showing you that you don't have to be dependent on PACs you can march to your own drum and the American people will stand behind you if they know that you're doing your job and I I think that's what this election is about, right? The, the, we're going to vote on, did President Trump do the job he, he promised in 2016? Where do you think the race stands at this moment? I mean, the polls have one view. I know the Trump campaign and Trump supporters have a very different view. Um, how do you think this uh, race is shaping up heading into the last 38 days or so?
1: Uh, I'm a Florida man, and uh, Florida is a state the president has to win, right. and he will win Florida. Florida is a microcosm of the country, uh, so I think that you know, sort of, as goes Florida, so goes America. And in my state, what I see is the president uh, obtaining Hispanic support at levels we hadn't seen since George W. Bush, and he he likely will do considerably better with Hispanics even than George W. Bush, and that's a consequence of the. Biden-Harris embrace of the woke-topia, of the neo-Marxist elements of the Black Lives Matter movement that right. are destructive to our country. Like Hispanics in Florida, they're builders. They build strong families. They build strong churches. They build strong communities. And this notion that the way to exercise your grievances is to riot and burn things down and break windows is is very counterculture uh, to a lot of Hispanics in Florida. So that's a big demographic group. You know, the, the debates will be very significant. I mean, I know we're all psyched about debate night. Uh, and I think that president likely has to do more in the debates than Joe Biden. But I think he's going to because he's eminently more capable uh, you know, I, John I just got to think back to like the 2016 first Republican Friday debates where like, they go around and it's like oh I'm governor of so and so I've done this or oh I'm senator from this place right. and offered this amendment and it's like the rules clearly said he had to be at 5%. Rand Paul is not at 5%. He should not be allowed on the stage. And, like, we just all should have known at that moment that we were yeah. watching something very different oh, yes. than normal politics. So I'm sure the president will have a few tricks up his sleeve throughout the series of debates.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. He's he's the master showman, and when put on a stage, that's his that's his venue. And as you've, as you've pointed out in a tweet, even in the last 24 or 48 hours, uh, Bill Biden on stage has always been a little uncomfortable and seems to be uh, even more so these days. I there's a, a clip that you took off of MSNBC with Stephanie Rule where Joe Biden literally his train of thought just stops and Stephanie Rule has to get him back on on uh, on message on on the topic. Um, how big an issue President do you think? Yeah. The president
1: needs to heed that because in my conversations with the president, I rarely get to conclude a sentence before he's already <laughs> offering his feedback. That's you know right. exactly what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, because he's, he's so hyper engaged yep. that he's right there with you. Um, the biggest you know, challenge for Joe Biden is the completion of a thought, a paragraph, or a sentence. And so the president has to have the patience to allow Joe Biden to trip on off uh, he can't automatically be be there and engaging and it'll be interesting to see what type of assists chris wallace gives to joe biden in these moments uh to move the debate along uh i could see chris wallace sort of jumping in and completing joe biden's sentences for him i hope that's not the case because i think the country needs to see you know what capability the guy has or doesn't
0: yeah you gotta and when you're president you've got to be able to think on your feet and if you can't uh, the American people need to know that before they cast their ballots. And I think that tonight will give us that first uh, taste of Joe Biden under duress on on the big stage. And uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. The um, When you look out at the Biden agenda, um, there are a lot of people who know Joe Biden for the last 40 years. He was sort of in the moderate wing of his party, and now he presides over perhaps the most far-left uh, Democratic Party that America has ever seen. Does that dichotomy come out in the debates in the final 30 days where Joe Biden, the guy who for 47 years stood here, now is over here with his party and you do that time and again? How important is that issue that, that Biden has flipped or flopped or, or uh, drifted far left just to keep uh, his party's nomination?
1: Yeah, I don't know that Joe Biden is running for president with an agenda so much as he's running with a premise of occupation. Right. Of the White House. I mean, I, if you put a gun to my head right now and said, like, rattle off the big, bold things Joe Biden has promised to do for the country, I'm in Congress, and I don't know that I could name one, much less three. Uh, you know, here's what's instructive. AOC and her fellow socialists uh, trended the hashtag, settle for Biden. And, and you wonder why, right? And, like, yeah. the reason is, like, the topians will settle for Biden because they know that he will be an actor or an extra in a movie that is written, directed, and produced by the most radical fringes of the Democratic Party. Look, the energy in the Democratic Party isn't with the Joe Biden wing. It's with the AOC wing, and they believe that he is so weak that they will be able to just roll over him. And, and look, you know, one of the things I admire most about President Trump is that he actually is willing to push back against the Republican orthodoxy. You know, when we've got Republic, you know, Republicans like you know, Liz Cheney who want to start four, four wars by lunchtime tomorrow, you know, <laughs> Donald Trump pushes back against that, right? He says we're not doing that stuff anymore. And uh, do you see that coming from Joe Biden? Do you think he has the ability to tell Kamala Harris and you know, AOC and, and the rest of the squad that they're going to be doing it his way? I mean, we could lose America and Joe Biden... Might not even notice.
0: Do you expect that uh, theme, that puppet presidency theme, which uh, Joe Biden is just a Muppet controlled by some puppet masters named AOC and Nancy Pelosi, do you expect that theme to play out in the final uh, weeks of the election?
1: I do. I, I think that no matter where you are on the political spectrum, you have to know that a country as dynamic and special as America deserves a dynamic president. Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton because there were a whole lot of people who voted for him who didn't particularly like him. But they knew that turning the country over to Hillary Clinton was a prescription for more managed decline and more support for a corrupt status quo. Uh, Now that we have – President Trump, that gosh, there are probably still some folks that aren 't as big fan, but I think they 're going to vote for him when they compare the two choices and when they see just the total lack of acuity uh, that that uh, and cogency that Joe Biden seems to present
0: yeah, I think that 's going to be a big thing to watch tonight and and in the, in the three debates, how big a factor is Kamala Harris in this uh, when, when you look at her? Uh, record and her her recent slip or not slip that this was going to be a Harris administration not a Biden administration um, we're how often you I mean, usually a vice president's roles don't do any harm but it does Kamala Harris become part of that muppet puppet uh, presidency argument that people make.
1: Sure. I mean, look, Joe Biden didn't want to pick Kamala Harris. He wanted to pick Susan Rice. I mean, that's who he had worked in the Obama White House with. That's who he had a familiarity with. But Joe Biden wasn't given the liberty to make this choice. You know, the the left wing Democrat and Kamala Harris in place. And one thing that I just have to note is that putting her on the ticket hasn't exactly helped Joe Biden with African-Americans, with people of color. As, as we continue to see President Trump making gains, you compare the Democrat convention where Harris has this big role to the Republican convention where we put up people like you know Vernon Jones and Herschel Walker and Pastor Jack Brewer with inspiring American stories about how things are getting better for all people with Donald Trump as president, the the, the biggest mover that we saw in our favor in the, days after the convention, uh, was among African Americans and particularly African American males. So she's not really doing the job politically. I think what worries all of us is that, like, while Joe Biden is off at nap time or having his 2 p.m. jello, like that she'll be the one executing the socialist agenda to turn America away from prosperity.
0: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting argument to watch. And like I said, most times vice presidents don't make a difference in this election but I think uh, she she may have a, a much larger role in, in making uh, voters minds up now I like to give credit where credit was due and you were one of the first members of the media I mean members of the Congress actually to, to tell the media that Robert Mueller's stellar Reputation was not all it was meant to be, and that mother appeared to just be out to get Trump. And you were laughed at the time, right? You were people were mocking you, saying, "Well, how dare that freshman make a an allegation like that against a distinguished member of the FBI, a former Marine?" Well, it turns out you you were right, right? Because we have agents now coming out who worked for. Uh, Robert Mueller saying he was out to get Trump just like, well, they didn't say they just like Matt Gates, but they might as well have said, said uh, it, you were right. And I, I wonder now, do you think the American people understand how much uh, these permanent bureaucrats were involved in a political attack on the president rather than a legitimate investigation? Do you think it's beginning to sink in?
1: I do, and I think it's taken some time. I think when we were in the middle of the swirling facts and reports, it was just easy to be inundated and overwhelmed by it all. But now that the dust has settled a bit, we all see there was no there there. And and this was never an endeavor to, like, indict the president, right? The process was the punishment. The whole deal was to create this air of illegitimacy to – deprive President Trump of the tools that he sought to fundamentally change our country for the better. And so it was all about maintaining the cloud uh, over him. And you're right. I was the first person in Congress to say that Robert Mueller should be fired and that this is a sham investigation to get the president. And not only did I have the media and the Democrats, you know, putting the tinfoil hat on me, <laughs> fellow Republicans they like were. Paul Ryan and Trey Gowdy went out there and chilled for the FBI. Yeah. Paul Ryan and Trey Gowdy were doing more for the deep state than they ever did for this president. And I know that each in their own t- they were viewed as like these great icons in the conservative movement, but history should judge the Ryan Gowdy approach harshly. And frankly, I don't know that either one of them would have minded if this resulted in detrimental harm to Donald Trump or the presidency. I think they would have been just fine if Trump would have just said, to heck with it. This is nonsense. I'm going back to play golf. You guys can have Pence because, you know, Pence is one of Congress's own and had moved up through the ranks and they were familiar with him. So they they had a very hands-off approach to oversight. And, And I think that if there is an enduring lesson from this, it's that we've got to pick leaders who fight. You know, the left does that. They go pick fighters. you know Nancy Pelosi say what you want about her. That is a tough woman okay and and a very well organized woman. Meanwhile, you know, Paul Ryan would like rather wander around the think tank scene than actually you know sit with you and I in the green room and go tell the American people the truth and And I think that uh, you know there was one particular interview Trey Gowdy gave where he comes out and says, the FBI did nothing wrong. They did exactly what all of you would have wanted them to do, and none of it has anything to do with Donald Trump. You know, how empty and how hollow those professions seem now.
0: It is, um, it does seem that way. And I think that it's remarkable that um, so much of the uh, resources, the time of government, the resources and time of the American people, the resources and time of Congress were put to a, a, um, Uh, such use when it really had nothing to do about the facts or the crimes or, in fact, just the opposite. There's probably stronger evidence of criminality by the FBI agents who conducted this case and the CIA analysts and others who conducted this case. It is remarkable that...
1: uh, Let's talk for a moment, John, about the targeting, right? Because this is an issue that you and I have like kind of encountered, right? Those of us who are out there telling the truth, they did everything they could, not just to smear the president, but to smear us, you know, you were out there reporting and it, the, the truth, the facts that have all now been vindicated, and you basically lost your job at the Hill over it. Yeah. You know, Rudy Giuliani was out there conducting, like, real shoe leather investigative work, and he was maligned for it. Jim Jordan... Really led the effort for us in Congress. He was like our spiritual leader on all this stuff, and they try to ruin his life. Like, were he supposed to prove that he didn't know something 20 years ago as an assistant wrestling coach? You know, Devin Nunes, when he saw what was going on wrong, he went over to the White House to say that there, there was like a coup in process, and they literally started an ethics investigation of Devin Nunes for right. telling the commander in chief. T- and, and chief the truth about a coup. And so, so for almost each and every one of us, it is not like you just get to go out there and and uh, speak what you are seeing without consequence. We all have felt those consequences. And it's why Donald Trump better win this next election because I think they'll keep coming for us.
0: Well, we have some remarkable news. As we're sitting here right now, a uh, letter has just been made public by Senator Lindsey Graham. It is a remarkable letter because it comes from the director of national intelligence and uh, congressman i'm just going to read you this it's it's absolutely just stunning you may or may not know about this on seven september of 2016 the u.s intelligence community forwarded an investigative referral to the fbi director james comey and the deputy assistant director of counterintelligence peter struck regarding u.s presidential candidate hillary clinton's approval of a plan concerning u.s presidential candidate donald trump and Russian hackers hampering U.S. election as a means of distracting the public from her use of a private email server. What they're saying is that U.S. intelligence thought that Hillary Clinton was running a a dirty trick, and they wanted James Comey to investigate it. That's extraordinary. just came out a few seconds ago. Your reaction to it?
1: No surprise, really. Based on what we've seen, they always accuse us of the stuff they're doing. Right. And so like the whole Russia hoax couldn't have been a result of, you know, the Obama administration's failed policies regarding Russia. It couldn't have been a result of the failed candidacy of Hillary Clinton. It had to be the result of Donald Trump being a Russian agent. And now that you see the server issue being sort of central to what was being hidden, what was being investigated. And when you see that there was a request that we actually do real law enforcement work against a real crime, that doesn't get the same treatment as all of the illusions that were maintained to try to smear Trump.
0: <laughs> it's just remarkable. I'm reading the letter as you're talking, and everything that you said two, three years ago turns out to be the, the, the What the I is saying here, Congressman, is that the U.S. intelligence community knew that Hillary Clinton was, was creating a ruse. They knew in real time she was creating a ruse by uh, r- raising the Russians' hacking of the Democratic National Committee to stir up a bogus scandal. Boy, did she ever succeed. I huh? thought
1: she was going to win. Remember That's like right. if you think back to those text messages between Struck and Page so much of the decision making at the upper echelons of our government around Hillary Clinton's crimes, um, you know, emerged from the belief that she was going to be president, right? And so every, everything was like kit gloves with her. Right. Meanwhile, if Paul Manafort did like, you know, some bad stuff in the 1980s, that's got to be like the crime of the century today. And, and it shows the double standard that so many Americans are frustrated by.
0: There is. There's definitely two standards, and, and Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump show it. Michael Flynn versus Andrew McCabe shows it. The disparate treatment of two people in the same circumstances is probably what concerns people more. I've been watching a lot of your um, your tweets on this for the last few months, and you, you've been a consistent voice on this, quite frankly, for more than a few months. But the, uh, the concern about voter fraud, particularly as we move more to mail-in voting, I saw you retweeted something from James O'Keefe, which is a pretty explosive video, When you look at this election, how are we going to guard the sanctity of our our election and our practices with all of these different tactics trying to be uh, unfurled at once at the American public?
1: Well, Voter fraud is the new Russia. You know, back in 2016, they used Russia to try to say this is an illegitimate win and to try to cast uncertainty on the Trump victory. Right. Here's what I know with some, with, with, with some high degree of confidence. Donald Trump is going to win the Election Day vote. We're, we're pretty sure of that the Democrats are pretty sure of that. And so what they're trying to do now is to create a window of time after Election Day where there is uncertainty and then they're going to use that time, I think, to deploy their Antifa street mob and their Black Lives Matter protests and riots uh, to really try to tear our country apart in the event that Trump wins that election day vote. Then they've got entities like the Transition Integrity Project set up to try to like literally transition the government in the absence of a mandate from the voters to do so. And so I think that if you can see, if you look at, if you read my book, Firebrand, and if you see all the things they did in Russia and the reasons why they did it, you can cross-apply a lot of those tactics to what they're trying to do here to create uncertainty and then to try to... The new feature, the new ingredient in 2020 will be the violence Violence. uh, on the streets and they'll try to use that to say, well, you know, now we just have to give the election to Joe Biden. The best way to fight against this is to have our U.S. attorneys actively pursuing these instances of voter fraud and then in real time getting injunctions where necessary uh, to the counting of ballots that were not lawfully cast.
0: It's uh, remarkable, but I, I have a funny feeling uh, this will be another election that maybe end up end, uh, ends up in the court. Do you agree?
1: Uh, it's, it Look, uh, I think it's very likely that in states like Pennsylvania, where right. there is no like state Supreme Court backdrop, that where there is no chief elections officer we can right. really count on, that the Supreme Court may have to make a call. It's why we've got to have a full compliment on the court.
0: That's a great point. Uh, last question, because I know you got to get going and you got a busy day ahead of you. But um, the uh, Amy Barrett confirmation, uh, obviously going to play in the bat- shadows of this election, probably right up to Election Day. Um, what's at stake for Republicans and Democrats, and more importantly, what messages might the American people take from the way uh, this judicial nominee is treated in the, um, in the confirmation process?
1: About the two worst things that you can call a person in America are a rapist or a racist. Uh, Only one letter apart, but both pretty awful. They used one on Kavanaugh, and it appears that they may try to use the other on Judge Barrett. I'm already seeing these purveyors of critical race theory, uh, like Ibram Kendry, uh, out there saying, oh, well, her adoption of Haitian children is white colonialism, Mm. and that's why she should be rejected. I think Democrats in the Senate know that their treatment of Judge Kavanaugh resulted in substantial backlash to them, and so I don't know that they want that. Uh, I think they're a little more cautious now, Um, but the marquee moment will be the Kamala-Harris Uh, Amy Barrett matchup Uh, you'll remember Noah Feldman from impeachment somebody who's no sympathizer to conservatives he advocated for the impeachment of the president and uh, he knows Amy Barrett and said that if anyone tries to go up against her intellectually they will lose very badly so Kamala Harris getting straight up schooled by uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett might be more of a moment than we're thinking about right now I'll just put a pin in that and say if, if Amy Coney Barrett really gives Kamala Harris the business. uh, I think that could be a liability for Biden. If I were Biden, I wouldn't want Harris on that committee because uh, there's
0: a real risk. He's going to own everything that happens there, even if it's not her moment. And I think that that's what um, that is, again, why why the vice president picked this year may be more consequential than it's been in many years. Very interesting. Well, Congressman, um, thank you for the time. Thank you for what you've done to help get the American people the truth. I know. Uh, Early on, those of us who looked at the facts and not at the spin were often uh, ridiculed, but I think history has has proven that the facts won and that we now know uh, what happened, and uh, hopefully we don't try to repeat it in the future. And in the meantime, folks, I want to... Uh, encourage you, please go get the book Firebrand. It is a fantastic book. You feel like you're driving in the front seat with Congressman Gates as he's going through the first four years of the Trump presidency. It's really intimately written. You really get to see behind the scenes how politics happens, the humanity of politics, the uh, remarkable uh, consequences of politics. And uh, Congressman, congratulations on the book.
1: Uh, thanks so much, John. And and of course, readers will know that I had to write about your great contributions uh, to the you. truth, uh, you know, to the truth. And, and you know, I will always remember the little chats that you and I would have in the green yes. room where we'd be analyzing a new report, a new tweet, a new text message. And, and those moments in the Fox News green room, I think, did as much to prepare our team for victory uh, as, as really anything else
0: forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.
1: Else that we might have done in a more formal setting. So I, I'm grateful to you. Well, and uh, you, I sir. hope that we've got another four years to get the truth out for the benefit of the American people under another term of Donald Trump.
0: Well, we're going to see very soon. We only got 37 days to go. So we're going to know soon. So Congressman, thank you so much again and best of luck to you in the election.
1: Thank
0: you, John. All right, folks, when we come back, we'll wrap things up all right after this commercial break. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Check out my breaking story on Just the News website. We have all the latest details from this explosive document that's been released. We've posted the document. It is a jaw dropper. It is a barn burner. I can't use enough Uh, bombshell. I can't use enough bad adjectives or expressions to describe how serious this revelation is. It means the FBI and the CIA continued and the Justice Department continued the Russia collusion probe, knowing that it was a political dirty trick. Uh, I think that that is just jaw dropping. I hope you do too. Check it out at justthenews.com. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports.